Welcome to the Silk Road Mountain Race Podcast, a 12-part series covering an epic new bikepacking race through the remote mountains of Kyrgyzstan. I'm Lucy Cahoon, and in the course of the series, you'll be hearing all about the race and the riders, as well as learning a bit about this spectacular part of Central Asia. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 11, the penultimate episode of the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast. I'll be talking to Nelson Trees, race director, about his reflections having survived the first ever edition of the race and his thoughts for what future editions might look like. Right, so the final wrap-up is with where it all started, back with Nelson, race director and man responsible for people's pain and pleasure for the duration of the race. Um, it's now almost three weeks to the day since the race officially finished. First of all, what have you done to de-stress and relax in the intervening three weeks? Um, I don't know if I've de-stressed and relaxed yet, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I went to the mountains. So we went scouting for the next year's race. Wow. So you haven't given yourself even a breath to to think anything other than the next year. <laughs> That's commitment. No, no. I mean, it was finally a chance to run my bike. So it was a little bit, it was, it was the same time de-stress and relax even if it was kind of for next year as well good so did you have a real come down at the end like after the party did did the following days just feel really flat or were you too busy to have that uh no definitely I think it was it was quite a similar feeling to finishing one of these races actually I think it was sort of different but similar kind of you know coming down and out and feeling something ending and so do you keep yourself going by seeing the nice comments that, and the photos that people have been posting or have you not had much of a chance to to do the the post analysis oh i haven't done proper analysis yet but i had a chance to see some of the posts and there were a few people thanking me and you know it was no longer cursing me but now saying oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> now that they've had the time to put on their rose colored spectacles and uh yeah, yeah. Pink spectacles in English, isn't it? Rose tinted spectacles, yeah. So did everything, did, did it finally feel worth it? Because obviously it's been a huge amount of preparation and effort and stress and logistics. So did it feel worth it? Uh, I think so. I think the messages, seeing the messages from people made made me think that it was worth it. I mean, at the time, yeah, it was more difficult. A lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of work. Yeah, there were... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it feels worth it. Short answer. In terms of your own kind of challenging or bleak or frustrating moments, were the times during the two weeks that you were sort of cursing either yourself or other people or just having got yourself into that situation? Was it was it dark at times and really stressful? Um, the first few days of the beginning, the beginning was really quite stressful because it was something that everything started out and there were a few things that we still needed to put in place. There were some things that we, we didn't realize, you know, I don't know, the organizational issues at the beginning. And um, I think we probably didn't fully understand exactly 
quite the scale of what we were getting ourselves into with the with the race. But we quickly got into the swing of things, and then. And what were your tactics for managing your own kind of? Uh, stress levels so that you could keep going and function day after day because I know that when you were out on the road you really weren't getting much sleep either no no um I think the most basic thing was that we had done everything put all the systems in place that we could and that then well it was you know something you can't really stop anyway so it's the event is launched and it's progressing and a lot of it is out of your hands and then you can only do your best to, to deal with the situations as they and rise. And any standout yeah. moments for you in terms of either the, the funniest or the most memorable or the scariest? Um, I think right at the beginning when all the riders were coming up Kigeti and we were standing at the top of the pass and as they were coming up, there was, these enorm- there was this enormous uh, thunderstorm that erupted. And there I was starting to think, you know, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> but then it was, it lasted, but the top at least it lasted about half an hour. I think it was about an hour and a half, maybe a bit lower down. And then things, things calmed down a bit, but I was like, oh yes, this is, this is quite serious. <laughs> I know, because even though you're, you know, people are taking it under their own steam and very much kind of signing disclaimers, I suppose ultimately, you know, the humanity is that you're still the reason people are out there in the first place. So it's hard to yeah. divorce yourself completely from it isn't it yeah so it's it's hard to to sort of think i mean everyone should be aware of what they're getting themselves into and still but there's still that responsibility because you you brought them out there and mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. very different for me going out into that kind of weather or those kinds of conditions and altitudes but then when you have these hundred people who are out there because of you it's a completely different feeling and so however much you've tried to warn them and prepare them for it then they're still you know you're still ultimately. And what do you think you know. you're most proud of? Um, I think it's when you talk to everyone at the end and you, you realise the impact it has had on them. And I don't know, again, it's cliche, but how it's changed their lives. And for some people, I think it really has had an impact. Even compared to other people who've done these kinds of races before, I think this was, it was definitely a step up and a sort of step beyond what most people have ever, ever experienced, even people with, you know, Do you think you surprised yourself then seeing just how much of a different level it was? I was never intending to, to make this a lot harder or a lot tougher. Or I, I really don't like the races that market themselves as the most extreme or the hardest or the toughest in the world. I've wanted to put this on a par with other similar events. And I think that basically Kyrgyzstan took care of the rest and made it quite a lot tougher. <laughs> So then you've mentioned that you're out scouting the route. And I know your original plan when we spoke at the very beginning was that you were going to spend the time after the race scouting potentially more difficult and extreme and challenging routes. So given just how hard this one was, did you still do that? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so when we were there before, we were thinking, wow, this could be even more extreme. And then I think clearly we don't need to make it any harder. <laughs> But um, no, next year, it's not 100% certain exactly what we'll do, but there are, we have some quite clear sections that we want to change. Well, not that we want to change them, but we want to put new sections in more than anything mm-hmm. else, keep it fresh. And I don't know if it's going to be harder, but there is quite a big chunk that is going to be possibly more remote. And that might have a bit of an impact on how we organize supplies. So there might be something new coming up in that respect. It'll be a little mm-hmm. bit different from well, any other unsupported race, but we still have to decide exactly how that's going to happen. So, yeah, Do you like the idea of showcasing new. different parts of Kyrgyzstan and also making sure that people can't compare times from one year to the next? 
Yeah, I think it's important for me to have this event not become a standard route that then everyone knows every single little section. And then it's a question of looking at that information, digesting it, and then coming up with a precise strategy based on what other people have done. I really like the idea that every time there's going to be something to discover something new and that, that keeps it that keeps it this 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 year was particularly adventurous because people were really going into the unknown so we can't really recreate that i mean there will be lessons learned from everyone that will be applicable to to another another track on different routes but there will still be new sections that might be surprising or new or you know have have their own challenges and how do you think the race was received by the people in Kyrgyzstan obviously you know it's difficult because at any one point you only see a section of the route whilst everybody's very spread out across it but what what's your overall impression of of the reception of people to 95 international riders coming through their country I think it was quite positive. Um, generally speaking, I think people were quite taken by surprise. I think we need to work on on getting the word out more. We did work with the Ministry of Tourism, and we were on we were on national news at the start. But I think a lot of people didn't really fully grasp what these people were doing, what these ninety five cyclists were were up to. And um, I think we want to work on that for future years, especially getting local riders involved. Um, we have plans to have potentially have uh, local reporters either with the with the the control car or at the checkpoints. Because I think it was on national news or something. It was the description was a bargain rally or something. They they sort of <laughs> took a cost angle at how you know obviously these people would love to be in cars, but they're kind of broke, so they took bikes. <laughs> so I think they didn't really fully sort of get a measure for what the event was about. That's, oh, that's brilliant. So it's the it's the poor man's event. <laughs> yeah, because you know we don't even have them. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> so next year you could do bike versus horse. Yeah, so there was there was that angle was a few riders came up with, uh, were talking about that that they they'd meet locals and the locals would be like, well, what are you doing on a bike? I mean, that's rubbish. Look at me on my horse. It's way better. You, you really, you know, you're doing it wrong. And I think quite a few of the riders agreed. They saw the the guy like charging up a hill on a horse and just being left in the dirt. And they're like, oh, what am I doing out here? <laughs> I was going to say something about you can eat your horse at the end as well, but as a committed vegetarian, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, so other than um, the local involvement of press and possibly places for local riders and encouraging local riders, do you see other, I mean, you know, it's a big topic, but have you given any thoughts about other sort of impact, you know, social impact or environmental impact for, or economic impact for future years? Yeah, I think that's something we could definitely look at. See if there's there's maybe a charity we could we could support, or you know, have a more direct impact, more lasting legacy for the race as well. Um, in terms of local riders, we do want to try and do some kind of sponsorship to make it easier for them to to access the race. Um, as well. So you're already talking about next year, as is a large amount of the the bike packing community having seen all the amazing photos and heard the stories. So are you? Was that your anticipation, and do you see it now? Add infinite being an annual event um i mean that's the plan we at the beginning of the race were still a little bit hesitant as it was unfolding but i think now we're, we're pretty sure that we're going to do it again and yeah it's planned to be a to be an annual event we're going to announce the big lines the main lines of the event of next year's race maybe november beginning of november mm-hmm. and then probably open registration beginning of december and that will we're thinking of coinciding that with there's a couple of videos that are going to be coming out on the race and so what part of your year i mean is, is this a pretty much a full-time job then from one month to the next preparing for the following year's edition i don't know if it's a full full full-time job all year but definitely it's funny how the first 
just finishing the race, then you immediately have to jump into the next one because registration opens not very long afterwards. And with the seasons in Kyrgyzstan, you kind of have to have scouted and sorted everything out immediately after the race because the race happens almost at the end of the season. And now, I mean, I'm still in Kyrgyzstan, but this is really the tail end of the season and winter is definitely on its way. So there's a bit of a rush to do everything. You go from doing the event to then putting the main, getting the main lines of the next event. And given that you've spent so much time there and are obviously going to spend a whole lot more, will they give you some sort of keys to the city? (laughs) I have no idea about that, but... Or just um, a loyalty card. A loyalty card. Maybe with Aeroflot, they might give me some a discount for coming <laughs> back so often. But yeah. Um, no, we have big plans for Kyrgyzstan. I really love this place. It's awesome. For the moment, we'll get number two sorted and announced and all the rest of it. And then that will be Great. quite enough for the next couple of months. And do you think you'll, one last thing, do you think you'll get more volunteers? Are you looking for more international volunteers to come and be a part of the race? Do you think that would be useful? Or I think it was quite good having having volunteers coming out for the different checkpoints. They were a great team. Mm-hmm. They really, I think all the riders really loved the interaction with them. I think also having some local volunteers, some more people to understand what's going on, will be good. Mm-hmm. Maybe a combination of the two. But then, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely need help in quite a few areas with this with this race. I mean, it's a, it's a huge amount of work and there's all kinds of things we could be adding and improving for sure. I mean, this year we just wanted to get the race out and happen and run as smooth as we could. And then now we can really start thinking about the, the little extra things that will make it something really special. So are you heading back home at all or is, is home now where you are? Yeah, I'm, I'm never going home. Um, I'm going <laughs> home in, uh, in about a week. So I'll probably right, be back okay. Here. I'm still thinking, dreaming and thinking about bikes, no, le- no doubt. Great. Okay. Um, fab. So people should, the, the call to action then is keep an eye on the website and uh, find details of next year's event. Is that it? Yeah. So at the moment, we haven't updated anything on the website, but we'll be, when we're ready to announce the race, which I think will be beginning of November, then we'll update all the information on the website. Um, if you want to be sure to not miss anything, then sign up to the newsletter because it'll, it'll all be going out in the newsletter as well and the various social media channels. And then once you've seen what the race is all about next year, it'll be a similar format but the route's going to change a little bit. Then um, beginning of December is when registration will open again. SRMR 2019. Are you open to having your palm crossed with silver <laughs> or beer to secure a place? Uh, we'll see about that. We're going to see how exactly how the, um, the application process will be updated a bit. We've come to realise quite how serious it is a little bit more. No, we've, uh, we're definitely going to be a little bit more stringent on, on the application, mainly with uh, mountain experience. So we, the, the number one is making sure that people know what they're getting themselves into and that they have the skills and equipment to get themselves out of any difficult situations that Kyrgyzstan throws at them. But we mm-hmm, still want mm-hmm. to keep it accessible and that anyone has a chance of, of coming out to, to race. So it'll be difficult finding a, finding the right balance between those two. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah talking it through, looking back and forward to next year. And um, it kind of feels redundant, so relax, because I don't think you ever will. But um, anyway, <laughs> enjoy the next chapter of adventure. And uh, yeah, we we'll look forward to catching up probably next year. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Lucy. Thank you. Join us next time for the last episode in this series of the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast, where we'll be gathering together some selected thoughts and memories from riders who managed to take part in this amazing adventure. And they'll be giving us their impressions of what stuck most in their minds from taking part. Until then, happy riding and thanks for listening. (laughs) 